Whoops! Welcome to Dungeon Duffing. I'm Brandon <laughs> Wagner. <laughs> I'm Adam McKeever. And today we're continuing our delve into dragons with metallic dragons. And, uh, yeah, a lot of the same kind of general basic things with dragons, but the metallic dragons are, rules as written, the good dragons. They follow the platinum dragon Bahamut, who, unlike in Final Fantasy XIV, is a good guy. And Well, it's only... Oh, you said fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, "Oh no, he's usually on your team." But like, no, not 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 this time. He's only on your team for a summer, and even then, it's like Demi Bahamut. But I saw the worst Jack. thing about Bahamut. <laughs> was it his peen, like with smogs? No, it was somebody trying to explain their job without actually explaining it, and they said, "I get to press a blue button, and a floating blue ghost spews come all over everything." Ew. And I was like, "No," I mean. Accurate, but no. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Um, Please. <laughs> metallic dragons. Uh, the first couple things to come of note about metallic dragons is that they're noble, they're curious, and they have really good memories. That's just more the personality traits. The The more physical attribute is that metallic dragons are all shapeshifters. Every single one. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, all the metallic dragons can shapeshift into... Pretty much anything else, any animal or humanoid form. And they use this to observe more than to go out and, you know, be tyrants. Right. And that's really the biggest difference between metallic dragons and chromatic dragons is that chromatic dragons, even if you're not doing a strict good and evil, chromatic dragons are dragons that want to have a territory that they control, while metallic dragons are much more likely to coexist with other creatures that live within their territories. Okay. Um, the curiosity aspect is something that I think is really underplayed with metallic dragons. Most people will definitely bring up that they have these super long memories and that they're these very noble creatures, and that's fine, that's great. But their curiosity, I feel like, gets ignored a little bit. And I think part of that is it's hard to have a 2,000-year-old giant lizard that is curious about anything. Like, you've seen it all the time been around for a thousand years at the same time maybe they'd be more curious in like what does this particular one do right exactly they're very curious about the lives of mortals and just like the just keeping a tally of who screams and who is excited when they go hey i'm a dragon <laughs> <laughs> um because even to a even elves to a dragon have short lifespans, mm -hmm. and I think I think in the player's handbook, elves live to be a thousand tops. Right, it's usually where their age caps out. Um, not for thousands and thousands and thousands of years like Lord of the Rings, but still a thousand years is a long time. But not mm -hmm. to a dragon. They get an ancient gold dragon that's been living on a mountaintop in for four thousand, five thousand years. It's always been there. Then, yeah, a thousand years to him is nothing. I mean, a fifth of my life is, what, not even a year? <laughs> a fifth? A fifth? Well, I'm almost 30, so rounding up, a fifth would be what? What's a fifth of 30? Uh, jeez, I'm bad at math. It's like, it would be like two years or something. Something two, like that. Two to four. Not enough to be of note. But let's dig into the dragon specifically. Uh, first we have... That would be more than five. More than five years? Yeah, because a fifth of a of twenty five years would be five. Five times five is twenty five. Yeah, but a fifth is twenty percent. I guess that's true. Anyways, enough math. Let's talk about D and D, <laughs> which is just math. This guy's just Lord of the Rings. Um, brass dragons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brass, 
Brass dragons lo- live in deserts. They're the ones that are going to be con- uh, clashing with blue dragons. Um, brass dragons, they have they like canyons and caves for their lairs, whereas uh, blue, blue dragons are going to live more in dunes and rocky outcrops and mountains. You gotta, you gotta be closer to your food if you're not in a cave. Right. I really like the idea, though, of walking alongside a canyon while you're traveling, trying to find a place to cross it, and then a, a bronze dragon just, or brass dragon, sorry, just whooshing up from the cliff, like in uh, Breath of the Wild, where the dragons and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and you're just like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> um, brass dragons, they uh, are talkative. That's that's really their, their big bolded text is that they're talkative yeah they they get like that that's all they really get because like obviously prized treasures that happens with every dragon they have some sort of horde but like boldly talkative these guys will yak your ear off forever i really want to run an encounter now where the party runs into a brass dragon and it starts out as oh my god a dragon so cool let's see what we can learn from it and then by the time you're done the player's like oh my god shut the hell up i want to leave i just realized something Hmm. brass dragons are basically just midwesterners yeah basically you try to leave and they just keep talking to the Midwest goodbye (laughs) yep for those of you who aren't familiar last time i was at my parents house for brunch with my wife we said goodbye we're leaving and left an hour later <laughs> i've had a couple times where it take it took three hours to leave after the first goodbye right because that's how it is in the midwest we just never want to look up about uh-huh. corn um <laughs> they uh it says that brass dragons are trusting of creatures that enjoy conversation and that's really how they uh they they tend to respond the same way treating a bout of mutual trickery as a game so that means your brass dragon is going to be your prank off against the party. <laughs> I think that that's oh. wonderful. Oh no! <laughs> um, I'm I'm just imagining now the the brass dragon version of Jackass. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to Jackass. I'm Zagarix the brass dragon. <laughs> um, brass dragons. I think that a brass dragon would be a great way to kind of reel things back in a little bit. If your tone of your game has been getting really heavy and dark and intense for a long time, mm-hmm. and you really need to lighten the mood for a couple sessions, having the party run into a brass dragon and get into a prank war is very on theme for a you know default D&D world, and also very nice, lighthearted, jovial. Yeah. And, I mean, the other way that you can lead them to the brass dragon actually happens with some of the regional effects here. Like uh, tracks appearing in the sand with six miles of a dra- or within six miles of a dragon lair, and they lead to safe shelters and hidden water sources. They lead away from areas the dragon first to remain undisturbed. So maybe in a brass dragon's territory, there's a ruin with something deadly in it, and or maybe there's a sealed demon in a ruin. So the tracks in the desert will lead you away from that because the brass dragon is like, ah, uh, no. Now I wonder if that'll still work on a, a horse with no name. Probably not. Um, <laughs> they're immune to fate trickery. Because they don't have a name. Now, <laughs> um, the other two regional effects they have are that they have uh, illu- illusory, illusionary, illusory images of larger, smaller monsters. One of those three. One of them. And uh, creatures with intelligence three or higher that come within 30 feet of a water source within a mile of the dragon slayer, the dragon becomes aware of them. And last week I mentioned that chromatic dragon regional effects are very much, they make the region 
more dangerous, more difficult to traverse, and harder just in general for people to survive in. But the regional effects of metallic dragons are much more beguiling. Mm-hmm. They're much more. They're not. They're not going to keep intruders out with force. They're going to just kind of mislead and misdirect them away, and that is no more clear than with the brass dragon and its illusions of monsters of monsters and uh, tracks in the sand that lead to safe places or away. I, I would absolutely. If you're playing a game where you have an evil party, I would absolutely play it. The tracks, the dragon can make the tracks lead away from its lair. So they're they're just trying to find it, and they just keep going round and round in circles. I'm just imagining they just keep like ending up where they started. Like they're just like they're traveling for three days, and they end up getting right back to the village they started. Right. Um, and then the intelligence thing that is really just a really neat way of the dragon knows what's there. And yes. it plays into metallic dragons being very smart and very um, more likely to observe. And right. you can do that with their shape-shifting, too. You know, any animal could be the dragon. Maybe you see a bunch of monsters around the desert, and some of them are illusions, but one of them might be the dragon polymorphed and watching you, observing to see if you're a good guy or not. Yep, or, or it could just be that, that weird koi that you saw flapping around in that uh, oasis, and you're just like, why would you live here? This probably goes away in like three days. Right. <laughs> and that's how the dragon decides if you're friend or foe. If you try to eat the fish, <laughs> then it turns into a dragon and is like, nope, and bitch smacks you. And if you're like, oh, cool, a fish, let me, let's feed it because there's nothing else in this pond. And then it's right. good. And then it turns into a dragon and then goes, hey, we're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> let's chat for six years. <laughs> Next we have bronze dragons. And uh, I feel like the metallic dragons. Just a side note, don't get as much, we don't have as much to draw on from previous D&D experiences because usually you're fighting chromatic dragons. Right. Usually when you go into a dungeon and you're going to treat it as a full-blown dungeon, it's a, dra- it's a chromatic dragon lair. It's, you know, the dragon cults worship chromatic dragons because they are, um... Well, cults and evil kind of go hand in hand. Right. Because they're antagonistic, that's what I was looking for, they are, they get more attention. Whereas the metallic dragons are going to show up more often as allies to a generally good party. And people play good parties way more than they play evil parties. Oh, yeah. So more often, you're commanding your bad guys. But So this might be a little bit of a shorter episode than last week, but that's fine. We can still cover all these dragons. Oh, yeah. Uh, bronze dragons are, I think, my favorite of the metallic dragons. They definitely look cool. They look super cool. And they live on coasts. And they like war they like to fight and but what they do is is they'll observe a conflict until they can decide which one is more righteous and then they lend their strength to that cause so they're democrats (laughs) (laughs) no they're not (laughs) yeah (laughs) because democrats are way worse than that bronze dragons are actually good um (laughs) yes by the way don't vote trump yeah don't vote for trump um (laughs) i mean i guess do what you want but please don't vote for trump um, <laughs> they, they're the only coastal dragons which is pretty cool because they like to watch ships that's something that it talks about is that they like to just sit on their ass and watch ships oh. up and down the coastline oh man hmm. I'm thinking like uh, like a Victorian era because I've been watching a lot of stuff on Victorian era like technology mm-hmm. but like a Victorian era campaign where there's a brass dragon 
or sorry, a bronze dragon that is urging forward the technological development of steamships. There you go, because he likes to watch them. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's gonna have the money for it because right. bronze dragons apparently are really good at looting sunken ships and just like collecting things. It almost makes it almost makes a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a a. a a conflict within the bronze dragon itself because on the one hand it wants to loot sunken ships but on the other hand it's a good guy and doesn't want to just go out and sink ships so right. it might just be like okay if a storm hits i'm gonna go save the people on the ship and then i'm gonna go steal all their stuff from the bottom of the ocean right <laughs> but like st- that would just be so cool and instead of having the main conflict between be between like a good and evil mm-hmm. you would have it be between two competing like shipyards or something right. like that like it, you could have your very own D version of cunard versus the white star line <laughs> hey look at how much of a nerd i am i have no idea what the other those things are but um, white, white star made the titanic oh okay um you'd also have your your dragon be involved with like a trade company and maybe the head of this seafaring trade company is a polymorphed bronze dragon mm-hmm. because it's or maybe there's a there's an organization that goes out to reclaim sunken treasures. Bronze dragons in charge of it. The fact that metallic dragons are all shapeshifters means that you can put them into a lot more places sneakily than you yes. can uh, a chromatic dragon. No. And we talked last week about having chromatic dragons that are the heads of organizations and the heads of nations, but they do it as a dragon. Yes. They don't do it as a person who's secretly a dragon, mm-hmm. necessarily. Now, that would be really interesting with having just, like, hey, anybody notice how whenever this, like, figurehead starts going from place to place, all of a sudden, like, there's just, like, weather changes to exactly what they like? Right. The Bronze Dragon's layer action allows it to control weather, and I really like the idea of uh, dragons' powers extending beyond their layer. I mean, the layer is the focus of their magic, obviously. I also really like the Bronze Dragon's second regional effect. Um, uh, yeah, just just underwater plants within six miles of the dragons there take on dazzlingly brilliant hues. Oh man, imagine a uh, one of these dragons just like living near the coast mm-hmm. and running a tourism board <laughs> because the, like no one knows why, but the, this particular coral reef is just beautiful, right? It's and, just like, amazing, it's and dazzling, healthy. and. It's because there's there's a bronze dragon. Someone needs to tell a bronze dragon to move into the coast right where the Great Barrier Reef is and Please. protect it. <laughs> Please. Um, their first one is that control weather spell, which you just mentioned. And then the third one is within its lair, it can set illusory sounds, just soft music and strange echoes. And that's a really great, that's a really cool tool, very thematic for... Again, misleading and beguiling your party. You walk into the dragon's lair and all of a sudden you hear get rickrolled by the dragon. I like the idea of a bronze dragon living in a sunken ship too. One of the things Tim was going through ocean encounters and one of he was like, "Why is there just dragon on this?" I'm like, "Because if there's a sunken ship, there might be bronze dragons there. Now they can breathe underwater." So, why wouldn't yeah. they live in a ship if they wanted to, or in a sea cave? I like the sea cave layer; is really cool too. Right, living in a sunken ship or pulling sunken ships into its sea cave layer, so you get in there and it's like that scene in Moana with all the boats behind the uh-huh. waterfall. That's where the bronze dragon lives, and all the boats behind the waterfall. Uh, bronze dragons 
Sneaking one out as an ally, I think, would be a really cool quest hook. Yeah, we have to defeat this tyrant, but we need. He's very strong. He has powerful magic. He has powerful allies. We need powerful allies. Let's go to this island where supposedly a bronze dragon lives and see if we can find it, and mm-hmm. you know, rally it to our cause. And I think that would be bronze dragons probably would be one of the better options for what kind of metallic dragon you would seek out as an ally, just because right. the other ones tend to be a little more aloof and less interested in getting into uh, conflict. Con- conflict like that. They're, they're still interested in the mortal realm, but they're not so interested in the conflicts. Right. So actually we have copper dragons who live in dry uplands and hilltops. So they might be competing with, again, blue dragons if you have like a scrubland desert, or uh, red dragons if they are near a mountain range where a red dragon would live. And copper dragons are incorrigible pranksters. That's the yes. first four words of its description. So yep. another dragon type to get into a prank war with. But this time it's not so much I want to have a prank contest with you. It's I'm going to mess with you because I can and I'm wily. This is the dad that just always sets you up to fail at every every possible outcome. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to walk around the corner and there's going to be tape across the door. You're going to open up your like medicine cabinet or something and there's going to be just like a hundred of those like silly snakes that just fly <laughs> out at you that that is this dragon you want some peanut brittle um, it says that the copper dragons are good hosts and they like to you know share jokes and stories with travelers assuming that they're going to you know laugh at the dragon's jokes right and be good natured about getting pranked and that's a great way to bring a character down if you you have you have a character that's really, who's the character, not the player necessarily, but the character is very full of themselves and very high and mighty. Introducing a copper dragon to prank the shit out of them and oh, bring them man. down a peg, humble them a little bit. And I, I can definitely see a, a copper dragon having a lot of kobolds. As, yes, as yes, especially because... if you're playing with the kobolds in the way we talked about in the cold episode, where they're just kind of the punchline. Right. <laughs> Copper dragons having a buttload of them as servants would be great. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, what you should do is take the Despicable Me universe, Mm -hmm. replace Gru with a copper dragon, replace the minions with (laughs) With kobolds so they don't look like freaking anthropomorphic butt plugs, and (laughs) there you go. They look like Tic Tacs, not butt plugs. What's wrong with you? Um... (laughs) A lot. Copper Dragon's <laughs> regional effects are my favorite regional effects of any dragon. Only for the first one. Magic carvings of the dragon's smiling face can be seen worked into stone terrain and objects within six miles of the dragon's lair. So when you start getting close to the Copper Dragon's lair, it's just like, yeah! On <laughs> every I, cliff. I, I, I'm a mad... Like, <laughs> like that stupid face that Edward draws in Full Metal Alchemist. Yes! Yes. Uh, just like everything, like it, it, it's just that <laughs> everywhere you look. Like I, what I, I'm imagining a, a copper dragon trying to like hide themselves as a polymorph, and like it's just like, okay, who's putting up all this freaking graffiti? Like seriously, come on! Like <laughs> I, why, why are you obsessed with this dragon? I would see, like, <laughs> I would see the copper dragon polymorphing and then bringing attention to it. Like who did this? I wonder. <laughs> 
their second one is that tiny beasts such as rodents and birds that are normally unable to speak gain the ability to speak and understand draconic and they speak well of the dragon but don't divulge its whereabouts so if any of your party members speak draconic all of a sudden all the rabbits are like oh yeah there's a copper dragon in these hills and guess what he is the best his parties are totally lit, but you have to be invited. And then finally, intelligent creatures within one mile of the dragon's lair are prone to fits of giggling. <laughs> like we are when we record podcast episodes. There must be a okay. copper dragon living in the woods across the street from your apartment. So, you know, well, we got rid of the chromatic one. We need them moved out. All right. Um, so... These are just the best regional effects because unlike the past, the last two dragons we talked about, it doesn't have a direct effect that's going to guide people away from it. Instead, mm-hmm. it's just going to be like, what kind of strange Alice in Wonderland desert have I found myself in? Where the rabbits talk about how cool the dragon is and how great his pranks are, and there are these huge, dumb, smiling faces on every cliff. I mean, and everything is funny. Yeah, it's just... Oh man, casting hideous laughter should always be on advantage. And <laughs> there you go <laughs> near, near one of these because you're you're already prone to giggling. So why not just fall prone while giggling? <laughs> I would almost play it as when a it's are prone fit to giggling. I would even say, hey, if you fall, when you fall prone. So even if you're in the middle of a fight with some wild animal. All of a sudden, like, one of, the, one of your allies whiffs and rolls a nat one and misses. And then all the other party members start laughing at them and fall prone. Like, oh, man. <laughs> Adding insult to injury. <laughs> the copper dragon, the epitome of Raffle. <laughs> Add insult to insult. That's what copper dragons do. <laughs> uh, moving on to gold dragons. They are to the metallic dragons as red dragons are to the chromatics. They're the strongest, they're the oldest, they're the wisest, the most powerful. They have a weakening breath weapon, which is pretty cool. Which is something we haven't mentioned yet, is that metallic dragons all have two breath weapons. Oh, yeah. I just realized that we hadn't brought that up. So let's let's backtrack to Brass a second, whose breath weapons are fire and sleep. Okay. The bronze dragons have lightning and repulsion breath. Which pushes you 60 feet away if you fail. I was going to say, does it just really smell that bad? Like It pushes you back. Like, get them some te- get them some Tic Tacs. Copper dragons have acid and slowing breath, which is pretty cool. And then uh, gold dragons have fire and weakening breath. Yeah, which just makes everybody have disadvantage on strength-based attacks. Strength checks and strength saving throws for a minute. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. You can't fight a gold dragon with brute force. It won't work. But, gold dragons, they eat wealth. They eat gold and gems. That's what they survive on. Which doesn't seem like it's very nutritious, but, like, go off. Yeah. Uh, It says that the best gifts to give a gold dragon are stuff it can eat. Gems and gold and whatnot. But don't try to bribe it because they don't like being bribed. Um, They're also the ones that spend the most time shapeshifted because they like to observe... uh, they like to observe humanity and mortal life. I'm just imagining, like, a gold dragon being like, hmm, I'm visiting the queen for the first time. Oh, these crown jewels look lovely. Just Ow. grabs one and eats it. And everyone's just like, what? <laughs> uh, it talks about, like, disguising themselves as peddlers to catch up on gossip and uh, patronizing honest businesses, lending a helping hand. 
helping hand, a helping hand, just going out and just being kind of good people. I imagine it's just like, that'll be 1565. Okay, just a second. <laughs> just spits up a giant gold nugget and goes, here you go. <laughs> Keep the change. <laughs> but um, I like the idea of gold dragons going out, and it says they like to go out and help people and provide aid. I think that's a great way to introduce. I like the idea of the gold dragon quest giver. Mm-hmm. You know, from the beginning of their adventure, some random old dude keeps showing up and giving you quests. And every time the old man is like, hey, you should go here. There's something worth doing there. Um, here, take this. It'll help. Alternatively, every time they grow, the gold dragon shows up, it's a different form. So throughout the course of your long-standing adventure, your party has been aided by a plethora of allies, only to find out that the majority of them were one gold dragon. That mm-hmm. took an interest in them. Um, maybe your party's first adventure is the one that gets the attention of the dragon. It's like, these adventurers might have some potential. Uh, it says they're very aloof, so on the other hand, though, you know, gold dragons not really getting involved in politics is totally on brand, but... Right, but maybe at the same time... You know, if a threat's big enough... Then again, sometimes somebody being aloof could just be like, hmm, nudge. Uh, one of the things they talk about is that they value their privacy, and that comes from where they layer. They like out-of-the-way places, idyllic lakes, misshrouded islands, cave complexes hidden behind waterfalls, and ancient ruins. So I like the idea of, you know, the gold dragon's layer being at the top of a mountain in the middle of the jungle. Mm-hmm. You know, far away from people. And other dragons. Now, here's something cool with one of their lair actions. They're clairvoyant. They can see the future a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they get advantage on ability checks, attack rolls, and staying throws until the next round, which is dope. Yes. And they can banish people to dream planes. Yeah, gold dragons are nasty. Nasty if you fight them. Great if you don't. Uh, their regional effects, they, uh... Oh, excuse me. I think I'm missing these. When people sleep, they can enter telepathic contact with the dragon. And they remember it. So you can have one player wake up and be like, guys, I talked to a dragon last night. And then everybody else will no, you didn't. So, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, gems and pearls within a mile of the dragon's lair sparkle and gleam, shedding dim light in a five-foot radius. This is a great way to find the dragon's lair. Because if you have gems and pearls, they start glowing when you get close to the dragon's lair. Yeah, and also don't forget that there's this uh, beautiful opalescent mist within six miles of the lair. It doesn't obscure anything, but it is it kind of just looks pretty and haunting. Yeah. So so like oh man, what is the name of that one woman that does all the like like the rainbow unicorn stuff or like the like folders and stuff? Oh, she she makes all of these like rainbow things for like school supplies. Okay. I can't remember her name right now, but like the mist I would imagine is just like one of those folders. But like well, like everywhere for a five mile radius. Yes. Uh, so the mist too, it, it assumes haunting forms when evil creatures are near the dragon or other non-evil creatures in the mist. So it, it serves as a warning of there's people nearby. So if mm-hmm. your party's going into an area where a gold dragon lives to hunt down monsters, the gold dragon is might be helping them to find them with this mist. Um, I also like the idea of not knowing that there's a gold dragon there. Because they're so reclusive, it's just a reputation that this region has for the strange mist and glowing jewels. Mm-hmm. And nobody really knows why. And that's a, that's a point when your player versus character knowledge really comes into, into account of 
your character, your player might know, oh, that's the regional effects of a gold dragon layer, but your characters aren't going to know that. Right. You're just going to be like, yeah, this is a magical valley where fairies live, because I would absolutely imagine that fae folk would live near a gold dragon. Oh, yeah. I think that that would be very on brand for them. And then finally, we have silver dragons, which are the friendliest and most social metallic dragons. And they are antibiotic. Are they really? Yeah, silver's naturally antibiotic. No. Isn't brass also? Uh, yes, actually. Whatever they used to make door handles out of. Yep. Anyways, their breath weapons are cold and paralysis breath. So, again, you don't want to fight them. (laughs) But you don't want to fight most dragons unless you're really ready for it anyways. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Uh, They're virtuous. They respect humanity. They're uh, friendly. They're friendly. They're friends of small races. They, uh... They like to possess relics of humanoid history. So that's really the, uh, we talked about two weeks ago when we first started talking about dragons, of having the dragons that want you to, that want specific relics to know its history and to Mm -hmm. track them down. And that's something that I think silver dragons absolutely would be on character for. A silver and a brass dragon fight, or, yeah, brass, fighting over a sunken ship. That was important to a battle. There you go. So, so all this stuff in the hit, in the in the ship really applies to both of them, and they're like, okay, you gotta go get this. And I think the brass dragon would have the advantage there because they can breathe underwater, right? But or bronze, rather. bronze, whichever one it is, it's hard to remember the metals. At least those two. Not as I like the rest of them are pretty easy, but brass and bronze, I'm gonna mix them all the time. Yeah. Um. Silver dragons like to. I think they're the ones that like gold dragons are gonna spend a lot of time. Uh among humanity polymorph because they just they like people they want to see what they're doing and be part of their lives you never know when your bf is actually going to be a dragon they also have the best layers because they have the ability to uh sculpt clouds as if they're stone and they can Mm -hmm. live in cloud castles and that's one of the big things with dragons versus giants is cloud giants used to all live in cloud palaces and now they don't because Giants, for the most part, lost the war with the dragons. Kind of is a stalemate, but it's a whole D&D history thing. And now silver dragons can live in there. Also, silver dragons can make them because they can give fog and clouds the properties of stone. So they can create castles yep. in the sky. And I think that's a great... That's just such a good, iconic fantasy location is the cloud right. castle. You know, and silver dragons being able to make them <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, uh, all I'm thinking of now is a silver dragon singing "Let It Go" while making a cloud castle. <laughs> it uses its frost breath to make the dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a giant dragon in this billowing, flowy ice crystal dress, making a castle out of clouds, <laughs> singing "Let It Go." Um, what are their other regional effects? Uh, they can control weather, just like the. Uh, there's a lot of weather control when it comes to the metallics, rather than it being like something specific. Right. It's just, they just yeah. have control of the weather. And then uh, with one mile, within one mile of the later, winds buoy non-evil creatures that fall due to no act of the dragons or its allies. So, uh, you fall at 60 feet per round, but take no falling damage. So, yeah. you basically, if you're not a piece of shit, you get feather fall. Right, unless the dragon pushes you off the cliff, you're going to be fine. Also, yeah. if you want to have a prankster silver dragon, it can push people off cliffs and then just make them fall slow just for shits and gigs. Yeah. 
Haha, <laughs> gotcha. You, you probably won't like that dragon. You scared the shit out of me. I thought I was going to have to re-roll a character because your dragon is a freaking prankster. Okay, bud. <laughs> yeah, and but, I gotta say, like, while the chromatic dragons are more iconic for what we think of what a dragon looks like, the metallics just... They get some awesome designs, and I really wish that these weren't like images in a book or on my screen. I wish they were like 3D models that were actually using metallic mm-hmm. paints and reflection. Because like they're so cool. What they, I like about these, works of art. What I like about these dragons too is that, with the exception, I think of the bronze dragons, they don't have like the traditional wings that you think of when you think of a dragon. You know, bronze dragons have normal bat-like wings. Uh, copper dragons, their wings connect along a longer. They're they're, they're more they're more like bird-like. Yeah. Uh, so like, imagine if you like gold dragons' the... wings go like all the way down their tail. Oh yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, then I I'd, I'd say like uh, the silver, coppers are bird-like. Silver kind of have those bat-like wings too. But... Yeah, but silver dragons also and that cool tail fin. Yeah, and honestly, I'd say, like, the other ones are more bat-like, and these are more gargoyle-like. Yeah. They, they have the large, the silver, sure. silvers have a much more large, intimidating presence. Right, and they have, they have a bigger chest. And more yeah, muscles. and it, it, it's almost like they also have, like, a, a second set of arms that are on the ends of their claws. They have those talons out right. there, whereas the... The brass dragons, the bronze dragons don't really have that. Bronze, yeah, they, they they have like a little bit of a claw, but it doesn't look quite as much like like an arm. It, it's there, but it's not quite. Yeah, and brass dragons have the long down their whole body wings too. Yeah, and they have the triceratops face crest, which is pretty cool. Just the the what the big difference between the metallic and the chromatic for appearance is that the the chromatic dragons have very distinguished horns. Yes. All the chromatic dragons have horns that be that curve a certain way and look a certain way that is very cool. Whereas with the metallic dragons their horns aren't as pronounced. Instead they have crests and frills mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And their colors I think are a lot cooler because they're not yeah. so dull. They're much more Well I mean like you could still have a vibrant chromatic dragon. Right, absolutely. But like but it's gonna be I... more inherent to a Metallic dragon. Neon blue dragon. <laughs> just bright, bright blue. If it comes out at night, you can see it. Actually, that would be pretty odd flavor since they shoot lightning out of their mouth. Yeah, they just... <laughs> Dragons that fluoresce. Ah, oh, yes! <laughs> yes! So... <laughs> ideas. That's the whole point. You know, I think we get as many ideas out of running this as we hope to give other people. Oh, I, I hope so. But um, I like silver dragons because they're just they're they're altruistic. They love humanity. They love the small races. They want to be among them. And as much as I like the gold dragon quest, Gilver, Gilver, I, I think the silver dragon that, that that is someone who gives you a quest and then guilds you in gold, or he gives you a quest for guild if you're playing one of this. Hey, um, but. The silver dragon being that ally that's shape-changed and among you and helping you as much as it can is much more, I guess, rules is written likely because they're not so aloof. They're much more, they want to be among people. They want to live among people. I could see a, a silver dragon having a whole life 
as a human, like they spend a, a human lifetime living among humans as a human, never turning back into their dragon, just hanging out. They're not yeah. so. That's a weekend for them, you know. You know, yeah, they they spend their human lifetime collecting antiques and stuff, but then they bring them back to their horde later. You know? Yep, uh, they, they stay as a dragon for a little bit, clean yeah. up the lair, touch up that cloud a little bit. It was starting to look a little bit more serious and less cumulonimbus. And then, <laughs> and then go back down, do it again, have another wife, maybe a husband this time. Who knows? No, 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 no. They can do whatever they want. And then, uh, and then that's how you get dragonborn or dragon draconic ancestry sorcerers. Yep. <laughs> it's because silver dragons like to live as humans, and part of living as a human is, you know. Getting horny. So, yep. <laughs> and then maybe they don't. And they're just like, well, might as well try it out. Humans seem to like it. <laughs> yeah, they're just like... No, I'm just imagining a sex-crazed silver dragon. Oh, it's man. Like, it's like, I tried it once, and now I can't stop. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm thinking of... Uh, so, I know you've probably never actually played Divinity Original Sin 2. No. So, there's one character in Divinity Original Sin Faint, or 2. His name is Faint. He is... A skeleton. He's an undead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently he's from some other plane of existence. I haven't gotten far enough in to really figure out what Fane's deal is. But at one point, you can have a conversation with him where you decide you're going to bone this sack of bones. <laughs> and he's just like, I I didn't expect this. <laughs> like, and the thing that you did what? <laughs> He's just so confused by the concept of sex. I'm imagining a silver dragon having that kind of <laughs> situation. I also like the idea that silver dragons are big nerds about all their stuff they've collected. <laughs> like, all their historical artifacts in their lair, they're just like, they geek out about it, and their players are like, okay. <laughs> this is the light plate of a switch from the Titanic, and I've had it for 47 years. And then on the flip side, maybe you have a silver dragon that has a bunch of quote-unquote relics, but they're just regular-ass shit. <laughs> What's Look that? at this! It's a... I don't know what it does, but it's amazing! And he's playing like a fork. <laughs> like Ariel is a dragon. <laughs> oh no. Isn't this thing wonderful? Look at my stuff, isn't it neat? <laughs> I got like 20 thingamabobs. <laughs> a million dinglehoppers. <laughs> he's just what? geeking out, and all the players are just like, ah... Uh, Bro, that's a shoe. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just pulls, like, a gun. <laughs> so, and a gun! <laughs> like, look at this! Where like, did you get that? <laughs> he's, like, got it in his mouth. <laughs> look, when you pull this thing, it spins. They're <laughs> just like... <laughs> what are you doing? It's not gun safety! Don't point that at me! <laughs> but... Yeah, silver dragons, I think, are one of the... I like bronze dragons the most, but I think silver dragons are my second favorite just because they they have built in the most opportunities for interesting... Them and coppers. Like, bronze, mm-hmm. silver, and copper are probably my favorite metallic dragons because copper dragons are so freaking goofy. Well, they're, they're the ones that are most likely to interact, which is probably why they're the most interesting. Right, yeah. The, the brass dragons and the gold dragons are a little more... Like, brass dragons are going to be really busy fighting... Mm-hmm. Blue dragons, while uh, gold dragons are a little busy being aloof, iro versions of metallic lizard iros, and but the other ones are more likely to I'll get into. They're more likely to get involved with the players' lives and their conflicts mm-hmm. because uh, maybe not copper dragons so much, but the bronze and silver dragons are going to be much more 
involved with your conflicts and your stories. I just thought of something that would be really cool in the Avatar universe. What? If in like another continuation, Iroh was reborn as a green dragon. You know, yeah, if you, I've seen a lot of resources. There's a lot of people out there homebrewing Avatar D&D. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, totally doable. Plus, it's your own game. So, even if you don't use homebrew, you can do it yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's all we've got for Metallic Dragons. Next week, we'll wrap up with the lesser dragons. You know, wyverns, dragon turtles, fairy dragons, drakes, maybe. Yep. All those dragon-esque And some of the things that you would think are dragons, but are very much not. So make sure you don't try and fight those as a a ranger. Or uh, things that you think wouldn't be a dragon, but are, like Applin. (laughs) (laughs) Look at this apple up. It's a dragon. (laughs) But Charizard isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Screw you, Charizard. But. What? What did that say? I don't know. I didn't read it. It was just a notification from Telegram. We'll talk about that after the recording. So, (laughs) that's all we've got for today. We'll see you guys next week. And as always, keep on delving.